Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast it's joe marino and kyle Krabs. we're your hosts chris schubert floating around producing this thing we are from the draft network and we are brought to you by bet online the number one source for all your football betting needs this season you can find it all the latest odds matchup info player news and game trends and it is your continued source for all sports wagering information you could, that includes, of course, live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all year long. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. So head to betonline.ag and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Chocolate Cupcake Day to you. Happy, I'm the only one celebrating, happy No National Beard Day to you here on Draft Dudes. That is that is the one that I am recognizing. Um, no beard. Chris has a goatee. Joe has a full-fledged beard, as he always does. And uh, that's, I am a little peeved, Joe. I, I can't hold you responsible for this, but yesterday was National Clean Your Virtual Desktop Day. And I always find great joy in going through all the screenshots of things that I Dude. took and used once and then never used again and have no need for and clearing that all out. So it's a couple sound, big, uh, big hurdles on the calendar. It's a sound that your, your trash bin makes when you slide like 60 something files. Yeah. It's, it's, there's something. Yeah. Very. Chris wouldn't know anything about that. He's not about the Mac life. He's just going to sit here quietly and he does not want to talk about that. You know, I mean, we're talking yeah, about I, Apple products. I'm not trying to open the can of worms on a Tuesday. No, I'm not. We're going up. Well, do you want to open up okay, some um, worms of word association? <laughs> I will leave it up to you, gentlemen. Do you want to do word association first? Or do you want to do scout speak first? We got a good scout speak topic this week that could feed into the TDN 100 release from yesterday, but we've also got a lot of games to get to. So I will leave it up to you guys. Words. Joe wants Look to do Joe. words. I, I feel like he yeah. studied. <laughs> you know what he does you know what he does he's got a big list next to him he went through every game and he's got a word that he's already got prepared that's how he's gonna it's gonna be the best version of joe yet because he put in the work I, I can see it in his eyes i can see it in his eyes that that's what he did even though that's counterproductive and you're not supposed to do the work right but it's you know what supposed to be a, i've a familiarized visceral... myself with the game so that i can be prepared for the segment 
All right. Is, that's what I'm Yeah, I really, do, right? that is the most political way you could have phrased. I did what I was not supposed to do, and I have words prepared, but that's fine. Listen, we're just going to go and we'll see. We'll let the listeners decide if they think it's fair or foul, if you're out of oh, bounds boy. or not. That'll, wow. Leave it up to them. Wow. To them. How am I supposed to operate under these circumstances now? Okay, here we go. First game. The Falcons beat the 49ers 28 to 14. Trouble. My word is efficient from the uh, the Falcon side of things here. I mean, you got to feel like just the way that their team is built, kind of limited with some of the stuff on offense to be able to go out there and run the ball 40 times for 168 yards, to have Mariota go 13 to 14 for 129 and two touchdowns. Like that's their dream script on offense based on the way that this roster is assembled. So they're quietly three and three, and uh, they're finding some efficiency on offense. Trouble. Uh, the 49ers injuries looming large for this football team. Like every they year. lost they, like every year, but they also um, Nick Bosa didn't play. Obviously, he was questionable. Uh, Javarius Ward and Mike McGlinchey ruled out mm. throughout the course of that game. In addition to Javon Kinlaw and Emmanuel Mosley being placed on IR and Trey Lance being on IR and Elijah Mitchell on IR. And That's Williams a lot of starters, Kyle. Out, Eric Armstead. And, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Ward. And Aziz Al-Shahir. I mean, it's, um, like you said, that this is a hurdle that they have to work through every year. Um, but their next three are Kansas City, L.A. Rams, who are banged up in their own right, and 49ers have had a lot of success in the regular season against them, so they probably feel good about that matchup. Uh, and then the Chargers. That's their next three. They better get some of these guys back. The Patriots. Beat the Browns 38-15. to 15. Can Zapped. Deshaun... Oh, that's good. Zapped. Zapped. <laughs> I have down, can Deshaun save them? You know what I mean? Like, they're 2-4. and four. They needed a miracle against Carolina to be 1-5. and five. What, are you, what are you timeouting? Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to use one of my three here. Not only did you say what I have down here, meaning you are proving that you prepared ahead of time. <laughs> you... you you then have a phrase written down. You don't even have a word. You prepped and still did the segment wrong. Just trying no to comment. do it. Just Joe, say no comment. Say, say no, no comment. comment. No comment. Can Deshaun <laughs> save them? They're two and four. They needed a miracle against Carolina to not be one and five. I mean, they're, they're, this team is showing some warts defensively. I mean, 38 points to, to Bailey Zappi. Come on. It's an understatement like, of all understatements, dude. They are 29th in scoring defense and 22nd in yards allowed defensively. That, if I'd have told you, if I'd have told you through six games the Browns were 29th in points and 22nd in yards, and I said offense or defense, a million percent of you would have said offense with Jacoby yeah. Brissett. They're yeah. seventh in points scoring offensively and fifth in yards offensively with Brissett. So I I think the question that you ask is a really good one, Joe, but it's like offensively moving the ball and scoring points is not the problem. Now there's limitations, but this is kind of what we, we expected this for the Browns. Guess what? You got to go to Baltimore and then you got Cincinnati the following week before you're by. Mm -hmm. And then you're at Miami and at Buffalo. Wow. That's their next four games. Realistically, three road games, Baltimore, Miami, yeah. and Buffalo with a bye week smacked in there. They probably dropped three of those. And then the last game before Watson comes back, they're home, but they play the Bucks. 
Now, wow. Tampa Bay's not looking good right now either, but like this is a murderer's row of five games. If you looked at this and you said, okay, you play the Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers, Patriots to start, that's where we were banking on this team, finding some wins to keep themselves yeah. afloat for the back five games of the year, six games of the year. Mm-hmm. What do you make? What do you make of the New England side of this, Kyle? I mean, they're they're three and three. Um, blank the Lions twenty nine to nothing. You know, obviously handle the Browns one and three start, but they got the Bears next at Jets, Colts, Jets again. We knew at this Vikings. was coming. We knew this was coming. I know we did when we did the season prediction. We got to the AFC East. We sat here and we're like, "Man, this that first four is really tough." But then they they soften up pretty good. And yeah. I think every time we did this, we ended up with the Patriots uh, four and five or five and four through the first nine games before they hit their bye week. Yeah. Well, they're three and three, and you got Chicago Jets and Colts before the bye. Be in decent shape, especially with the way the NFC or the AFC is. I mean. There's very few teams that aren't in it, right? Like, there's six games. Yeah, I know like, it's still it's like fairly the, early, the, but it's like the Texans, and that's probably it for teams <laughs> yeah. that like you know Raiders, even Jacksonville maybe. two and four, and the Browns are two. Yeah, the Raiders. It's a good call. Um, everybody's kind of in the thick of it now. I think I speak for everybody in the podcast when I say our Jets. Let's freaking go! They're they the next the Bears game this up. week. Well, they got the Bears, New England, the Bears on Monday night football. They put the yeah. Bears and Patriots yep. on Monday night football. Yep. Zappy versus Fields, man. Let's go. Hey, what do we, let me ask you guys a serious question. Yeah. Is there a quarterback controversy in New England? There should be. <laughs> I hadn't even let it cross my mind until you just said that. I don't know, man. No, there's not a quarterback controversy in New England. They have to they have to to ride it out with Mac. Did you see Albert Breer suggest that there is some tension in the building with regards to the quarterback situation? Is that stem from disagreement on the how to handle his injury or who the better player is? Who helps them win? And the entire who- process. And the entire process of like their coaching staff construction and when they transition away from McDaniels. Man. So it's going well up there. It's going well up there is what you're saying. Well, I mean – Right now it is because it he's is. won two in a row, and, and and Bailey Zappi just dropped a 300-burger and two tutties on, on the Browns. It's just, Joe well, Flacco did that, too, so let's let's not act like it's... No, I'm not, not going to do that. 56 minutes ago, yeah. we're recording on Monday, 56 minutes ago on NBC Sports Boston, Albert Breer, Mac Jones' relationship with the team, quote, got a little sideways. Wow. I think things did get a little sideways over the past couple months. Said He said this on Patriots pregame live. I think it's going back to the change from McDaniels. Why are we bringing in Joe Judge and Matt Patricia when Bill O'Brien sitting out there and we could potentially have made a run at him? Why does it make sense to have a defensive guy and a special teams guy? Why are we changing the offense? Why are we streamlining after all the success that I had? I think that bled over into the injury now. And I think this is sort of giving the coaches an opportunity to send a message to Mac. I don't think Mac is in jeopardy of losing his job, but I don't think they told Mac that either. I think they, sh- they, I don't think they said to Mac, "Listen, you're good. Don't worry about how Bailey Zappi plays." And now Zappi's balling out. Mac led the NFL in interceptions before he got hurt. Well, maybe the answer is you just ride Zappi for as long as it, you can. 
But I guess there's a little bit more there than my knee-jerk reaction, right? Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about hashtag our Jets, who beat the Packers 27 that, to 10. First of all, that's that came out of Kyle's mouth. That's, well, that's, and that's, only in, <laughs> only in relation to playing the Patriots. Right. Oh, okay. All right, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Our Jets. Yeah. Uh, I think the word here for me is legit, and, it, and it's well. I'll let you go, but Jets are playing really well defensively. So defense defensive success continues. I think is my immediate injury reaction. And here's the key for the Jets: they forced at least one turnover in every game that they've played this season. Uh, they have not turned the ball over in the last two weeks. That'll help you win. That'll help you win. And defensively, they have not allowed. Uh, they have not conceded 300 yards of offense in three in four of their six games played. Only the Browns got them got them for more than 330 thus far. I have legit down because two it goes both ways. Are the Jets a legit team that we need to think about as a playoff contender? And and meanwhile, are are the Packers legitimately like? not going to be able to get through it, right? Like, we knew that their offense would take a step back this year. I think it's been as bad as we feared it could be defensively. You know, that's going to be the strength of this team, but you're going to have to play better complementary football uh, to be able to win, right? And Minnesota keeps finding wins. We could debate whether or not they're really a good team or not, but they're in, Packers are in a hole, and – it might be okay. They might be able to just get to January, but they don't look like a dangerous team to me at all. So legit, it goes back to legit. Who's legit here between the Packers and the Jets? And right now, I mean, the Jets look like the better team. Well, and Joe, to your point, last three weeks, uh, the Packers are giving up 157 rushing yards per game. Yeah, They're That's getting gashed. Good. They cannot stop the run. It was The Jets literally in the second half said, you know what, Zach Wilson, you're not going to throw the ball literally at all. They're like, it's going to be three or four times we're going to ask you to throw the ball. And they just gave it to Brees Hall, and they gave it yeah. to Michael Carter, and they gave it to Braxton Berrios, and the Packers could not have an answer for it. Well, the Jets were the better I, team for four quarters yesterday. was not even particularly competitive. I understand this is contextual and the fact that Green Bay whooped Chicago in Week 2, 27-10, but Chicago rushed for 180. And then yeah. the Vikings in Week 1 hit him for 126. They cannot I didn't stop expect the, the only problem. The only team that did not run the ball – was Tampa Bay, who rushed for 34 yards. And that's a whole different testament about a team right, we're going to talk about a little later. Yeah, I think that says more about Tampa than it does Green Bay. The Packers have kind of been struggling with run defense for a while, right? Like, that's how 49ers have been able yeah, to get going to back them. to Mike Pettin. Right, they've been, it's been a problem for a while. And now you, Who'd like, they you don't... Cut? Who did they cut the defensive linemen who were like, man, if this guy doesn't fit your system, you got a bad system, and Packers fans got all mad. It was like, oh, it's Mike Pettin. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Do you but remember who no I'm way. talking about? Yeah, I can't remember, dude. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> Let me see if I go find him. While you do that, I'll move us to the next game here. The Colts win mm. on a late fourth-quarter touchdown for Matt Ryan to Alec Pierce, 34-27. to The Colts will not go away. Yeah. Mike Daniels was the name. Oh yeah, Mike Daniels. Mike yeah, Daniels. he faded away like, quick, he didn't he? Mike Daniels. Yeah, he sure <laughs> did. They weren't they weren't wrong to get rid of him. So yeah. Uh, you said uh, Jaguars Colts. That's uh, they the one. Are who we thought they were. On which side? You're talking about the Jag- I'm talking about the Jaguars. I'm not. <laughs> it's always interesting. About the Colts. <laughs> which which side we come away with the bigger like prominent thought? 
Um, I have down, are the Colts wake? Sorry, Chris, plead the fifth. Are, are the Colts waking up, right? They won three of their last four. This clearly Matt Ryan's best game yet. They didn't have Jonathan Taylor to lean on, no Naheem Hines to lean on. And they get a big win, and they're able to lean on Matt Ryan to get that done, big throws, and obviously uh, uh, embracing a script that I didn't know that they had in them. What, Chris? So, listen, the Colts won, and a win's a win is a win in the NFL. I'm never going to take that away from them. But, boy, can we not have the strategy be, hey, Matt Ryan, throw the ball 58 times. This is how we're going to win football games. Uh, like, Chris, not right now, that, 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 that is the strategy, though. They cannot not run gonna, the ball. They can't gonna, run the ball. He's not they couldn't run the ball the with Jonathan Taylor. His arm's going to fall off. We, we got to come up with something different. Listen, here. I watched Phillip Rivers pushing that thing around with the best anticipation I've ever seen for a quarterback because his arm had nothing left when they were playing the Bills in the postseason. Okay, I've seen Peyton it. Manning. <laughs> it can happen. Now, here's the thing for the here's um here's the thing for the Colts as they move forward from here. We'll find out if they are back next week because they're at Tennessee. They handle that. I'll give them credit and say that they're back and they're going to win the South comfortably and so on and so forth. But Tennessee, obviously, will have something to say with that. I'm just a little worried about that Titans offensive line. The uh, Vikings beat the Dolphins 24-16. to I have written down, sorry, Waddle fumble, right? The, the game kind of swung there. 16-10, to you're threatening to score with a little over four minutes left. And it goes from you scoring into the sudden change. Dalvin Cook houses one 14-point swing, a game that looks like statistically the Dolphins were the, were the better football team but didn't have more points at the end. Self-inflicted. Penalized 10 times for 97 yards. Missed a field goal, had two drives in the first half that took you into field goal range and penalties and sacks took you out of field goal range. Um... Teddy Bridgewater in a fourth straight game. The Dolphins had a different quarterback come into the game than the one that they game planned for all week. It's like, statistically speaking, I don't know that that's like, how, how does that happen four weeks in a row? And you could point to Lee Meikenberg and Greg Little and what they're playing on the offensive line because they're egregiously bad players. Um, and then unsustainable. The Dolphins have one turnover in their last five games. The Dolphins have forced one turnover in their last five games. Can't win you football can't, games you, that way. You can't win games when you are 28th in penalties induced against you and you don't turn the ball over. Yeah, like you, you just can't up. win games. So stop shooting yourselves in the foot. And it sounds like they're going to get Toronto Armstead, Austin Jackson, and Tua Tonga back this week against the Steelers. Seems like that'll be helpful. I would imagine both your starting tackles and your starting quarterback coming back would be helpful. Let's see what, what happens. You know, Kyle, what's what's really interesting, you can tra contrast the first three for Miami, the last three versus Miami. I don't feel like the stuff that you're talking about now is true the first three weeks, right? Like, situational football wasn't a problem. In fact, that's why they were able to win all three of those games. You know, it's like what – and maybe it just goes back to, okay, there's just been attrition through injuries and – I mean, how – the quarterback situation is just unprecedented for a team to deal with in a basically three, four week stretch. Um, but if they get back to the, that, you know, they're the things that made them a three and O team, they're going to be fine, but they got to get back yeah, to it. And I think, it, I think if they get healthy, they, they will be fine. And the schedule softens up. They got Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, and Houston as their next five. Oh, let's go. There's your so, run. I mean, you, you get your quarterback back and, 
it's law of averages, right? Like Buffalo outgained him 497 to 212, and the Dolphins won the football game. Okay, well, you outgained Minnesota 458 to 234, 234, and you lost the game, right? Dolphins were plus two in turnover differential the first three weeks. They're minus seven turnover differential last three weeks. There you go. I mean, it's all right there. You just, you can't play sloppy. Coaches have to coach better, and players have to execute better. Joe Burrow walks into the Superdome wearing a Jamar Chase game-worn college football playoff jersey, and then he hits his guy Jamar Chase for the walk-off touchdown. The Bengals win 30-26. to 26. Uh, Jamar Chase can score touchdowns, right? Two of them, Joe. After you seven just talked about him, he said, he's like, I got you, Joe. Don't worry. Right. You picked me up. Seven for 132, two touchdowns. Like, okay, uh, you happy? Is everybody happy now? Bengals fantasy owners, are you happy now? Or Bengals fantasy owners, Jamar Chase fantasy owners. You know I am. Yes, thanks for asking. <laughs> they woke up. That team right there were down a little bit early. Burrow to Chase, man. Dangerous. It's a team that feels like it's going to go on a little bit of a run here too. Atlanta at Cleveland, Carolina next three. Eh, wow, there should. Well, uh, you know, how do you count claim like okay, yeah, you should win all three of those, but like. Got a lot of weird results in the league, man. Right. It doesn't always just go yeah. that way. I, I think you legitimately could have looked at like the one o'clock slate yesterday and said you expected the losing team to win the, the game before all of the games were played. Dude, like for the Bengals, look at their losses. The overtime loss in week one to Pittsburgh, weirdest one of the weirdest games you'll ever see. They had multiple chances to win the game. Dallas, a three-point loss on the road, and Baltimore, a two-point loss on the road. Like, they're – they're, I don't think they're as good as they should be, but they're also extremely competitive every single game, if right. that makes sense. Like, they're underachieving, yeah. but also fine. Right. And you're 3-3 three and three and tied for – you're a, ha- a half game behind first place in the AFC North because you lost a head-to-head to Baltimore, and you'll play them again later in the year. You play in yeah. Week 18. Like, they're, the Bengals are fine. Everything that they want, and you could say this for most teams, everything you want is still out in front of you. Yeah. Speaking of everything you want is still out in front of you, the 5-1 and one New York Giants beat the Baltimore Ravens 24-20. to 20. Giants keep finding ways to win, and another Lamar turnover with the game on the line. Oh, he went there. He did. Of course Joe went there. That's what he does. He went well, there. Well, he, t- he had time to write it down, so of course he went there. Um, is there a lie? That doesn't. No, I mean, no, no. It's, two I big mean, it's losses two in the last three weeks because he turned the ball over at a critical point in the game. Can we can we say unsustainable? Is that a thing we can say I, for the Giants? I want to say yeah. it, but they just keep. But Kyle, they just keep winning. They just right. keep doing. And, it. So. Okay, so you go to Jacksonville and you have a good chance to win that game. Then you go to Seattle. I think you'll lose to Seattle. Then you have the bye week. Then you're home against Houston and Detroit. Kyle, they beat the Titans in Tennessee. They beat the Packers. And I'm the sorry, Ravens. that's not like, an impressive win. It's not an impressive win. They beat the Ravens was an impressive win. I can't believe you're doing this. You're fighting it so hard. Why? I can't. I can't because do it. they're, they're not a talented team. But that you don't have to be a talented team to have success. But for it to be sustainable, you have to have more talent. And I'm just like, I'm sitting here wondering, like, when does the crash back down to earth? Does it come after Detroit 
when the, like they probably went three of the next four and they're like <laughs> eight and two. <laughs> like, is that, I, I just don't know how long you're going to ride it out, but I don't think you're going to ride it all the way to the end of the year when you got to play at Dallas, Philadelphia twice, at Minnesota, Indianapolis. Like, I think all these teams, and you play the Commanders twice in there too. And if you split there, like, I just look at the schedule. Are you willing to say right now the Giants are going to make the playoffs? What percentage of five and one teams go to the playoffs? I don't, I don't know, but you keep do, you keep doing this thing, and it's like you telling me, oh, the Dolphins are in good thing. shape; Let they're going to make the playoffs. They're three and zero. Oh. It's like no, I've seen this story a million times, especially with the Dolphins. So okay, but so so hold on, hold on. Let's play the game this way. How many wins do we think secures a wild card spot in the NFC? I I have the answer to that question five, or to the first question. No, to the five and one. What percentage of five and one teams go to the playoffs? It's got to be like that, high 80%. I'm sure it's like 98%. 90%. 90. 90. Okay, so worse odds than even we gave it credit for. Do you think <laughs> but the also Giants 90%. Do you think the Giants make the playoffs? Yes. And, and is it be, to, to, to your point, Kyle, is it because I think they're a talented team that is a playoff caliber team because of that? No, I just... I buy into their ability to find ways to win and riding momentum and buy in from players to the coaching staff. All right. Act Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit. Like they're going to win three of those. They're going to be freaking eight and one. Put me down for a box of Bill Bars on this. But okay, you want but you, it? Well, that's not how it works. You need somebody else to take the other I'm side. I'm asking Joe if he wants to bet me a box of Bill Bars on whether or not the Giants make the playoffs. I'll ride it. I'll ride it. Okay, he, he Chris, write it, it down. I'm working on it. But by the now, way, by the way, I feel bad we for, think... for everybody in the world now because Giants is Kyle is now very much going to be anti-Giants. So this is going to be a bit now. Sure, but you know, I, I mean that's I I appreciate the story and Brian Dable right now is the coach of the year. There's no question. Right. But if if I'm just sitting here and I'm looking at the talent that they have and the way in which they've won games, the manner in which you won the Tennessee game, I get it? Right, the manner in which you won the Green Bay game, the manner in which you won the Baltimore game. The ball has to bounce against you sooner, like law of averages. Now, can you ride it all the way through the season? Maybe. If this, if I look, but at they've their also schedule... they've also played they've played four of their four of their games at home, and they had a neutral site game in there too. Like they're going to be There's on the road. New a challenge lot. is coming. Like I, yeah. I, I think you have a path to win this bet. I really do. But I, what pushed me into like, yeah, I'll take it is the schedule. I mean. Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston, Detroit, at Dallas, Washington, Philly, Washington, Minnesota, Indy, Philly. They might only have to win three of those games to get a playoff spot. No. Come on. Four. Eight eight or nine wins is going to get them a spot. Okay, Minnesota is much better than we thought they were from a record perspective. Oh, the same thing can be said about the Giants. They're better than what we thought they were from a record perspective. Yeah, but Minnesota has talent. At some point, you are what your record says you are, Kyle, and they're five and one. They've banked a bunch of wins. They've wow. just banked them. Like the they Jets, just have the that. The Jets are are four and two, and now Chris wants to break out the "you are what your record says you are" quote. No, I, this is I'm, I'm consistent. Face. I'm very consistent on this. You are what your record says you are after a certain point, and after six games, you've won five of them. You're five and one. Yeah, I'm going to take you a little bit more seriously. And the NFC, everybody's tripping over each other right now to try to make the playoffs. Tripping over each other. A lot of ball we'll talk about left. 
We'll talk about them in a minute. The Cardinals couldn't muster up points in. uh, Color me shocked. The Cardinals are floundering. Kyle has a path for him winning this bet. I I believe that wholeheartedly. I'm just, I want to dive in. I want to dive in on the Giants. I I love Dayball, obviously. So speaking of diving in, speaking of diving in, next week starts week seven, which means we can finally start Thomas Booker snap count watch because that oh bet God. now now starts. Oh, oh God, <laughs> he got <laughs> it, it's it's fifty percent right. Uh, let me check. Fifty percent. Yeah. It. it is fifty percent of snaps, but it's only from week seven through eighteen because I have the, right. the track huge. Up. I can't believe this games is going to be part of our podcast. This is amazing. Games this which he's played, he's played 31% thus far this hey, season. Now, time for it to, to, to the snap counts to come up, right, so, Kyle? This is time. Joe, That's right. Joe, I'm going to I'm going to offer you something very unique. He hasn't unique played here. the last 2 weeks. Can, oh no. I'd like, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to offer Joe something extremely unique right now, okay? Okay. Joe, you and I have two bets with each other. All right. We have the Panthers Falcons win bet. Don't like that one. And we have the Tyler Conklin targets per game bet. Okay. I would like to offer you a clean. We just take them off the board. Just a clean. We just take what them the off down. What the hell is this? And we. Because we, I'm going to win one of them. You're going to win one of them. So it's going to be a Okay, so, so let's off. let it play out. Okay. Right. All right. What, what's the point? We just, oh, let's reduce the clutter so we have less where, to talk about. Like, where, where did this come from? I was just trying to. I, I, think, he's I, scared, like, I think he's scared of, of one of them coming back to bite him. So he wants to. It's like the parlay when you cash out early. He just wants to cash out early. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to angle. Cash out early. The pan- oh no 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 no. Because because no, the, no, the Falcons no. are really doing me justice right now. They're gonna. They're they're helping me out. Okay. Hardest of all rejects. You just don't want to be wrong about the Tyler Con- Conklin thing. It sounds like. I, I mean, certainly it's not going great so far, but we'll we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Okay, back to what we were doing here I on can't the show. We just tried to do that. The next game. I mean, it's <laughs> you get it offered on you know the the the, the sports book, so you could try it. Uh, hey, these- hey, Joe, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I want to offer you a chance to um, just wipe the Thomas Booker and Giants playoff bets off if you'd just like to wipe the slate okay, that's, clean. Okay, that's can... ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's, more, those two it's bets better than the one you offered yet. me. <laughs> no, th- th- those two bets haven't even started yet. Right. Don't get out of here. The one I offered, at least, we've had some history that could make you maybe want to get out of them. Those two All-time me, confusing Thomas moment in the even... history of the podcast right here. Oh, my God. Goodness gracious. Okay, back to what we were doing here. This, speaking of confusing, the Steelers beat the Bucks 20 to 18. Is it still fine? Is it still is fine? Is it still fine? Is, is it, it still everything's fine? Everything's fine. Joe, the answer is no. Todd Bowles has to go up here at the press conference after the game and saying any Bucks fans or any Bucks players that are still living in the aftermath of the Super Bowl need to wake up and get their hands dirty and go to work like the rest of us. Yikes. I think he said the word fantasy land, right? You got to get out of fantasy. Fan- land. You're, you're living in fantasy land. If you're still right. living in the, the aftermath of the Super Bowl, maybe he could get his quarterback to show up to walkthroughs on the weekend. It's, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Chris, I mean, did Tom not do that? No, he did not attend the walkthroughs over the weekend, apparently, because he was at Robert Kraft's wedding. Yeah, it's fine. It's all, it's all fine. It's, it's all, all fine. fine. It's all fine. It's all uh, speaking of real, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How many yards per attempt are they averaging on the season? What? Because they had like twenty-two rushes for three yards against Kansas City or something like I, that. I will read. I will read you the rushing totals as a team for oh, Tampa Bay in all Lord. of their six games this season. Are you ready? Yeah, this is sure. bad. 
152 against Dallas. Okay. Buckle up. Here we go. 72 against New Orleans. 34 against Green Bay. 3 against Kansas City. 69 against Atlanta. And 75 against the Steelers. What's that equal for total? Uh, They have a total of 405 rushing yards in six games. It's fine, Kyle. It's fine. It's fine. What's the yards yards per carry? Three and a half. Probably not even. Chris? It's got to be less than that. Uh, 2.9. It's 3.1. 3.1 yards per carry, dead last in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with, granted, they've incurred some injuries on the offensive line. But boy, oh boy. Is that center guard combo a problem on the left side of the line? Godecki has been getting demolished. I just was told it's fine, Kyle. There's no nothing. It's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. It's yeah, no, everything's, everything's fine. It's not. Everything's fine. De- uh, def- defensively, I'm glad that they buckled down against Pittsburgh because uh, they had given up. Over 330 rushing yards in the last two games combined against Atlanta and Kansas City. The rushing defense. It's fine. The the Rams beat the Panthers 24 to 10. Free McCaffrey. He had 158 of their 203 yards. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Did um my my comment is, oh, no. Joe Nopum was taken off yeah. in this game. Yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. It's we not- have, and here's the thing. For any, for any fan of any team across the entire NFL, if your team has endured injuries on the offensive line and you are bemoaning your general manager for not doing more to better position your offensive line to incur these kinds of injuries, just please know like there's, there was nobody out there, right? I've seen this across a couple of fan bases and it's like, it put yourself in the position of the LA Rams. Who would you have wanted them to go out and get this off season that was available? I think you can call into question the amount of money they gave Joe no boom. Sure. And, and feel like there was more of a, you could cast a wider net. But if you if you let Joe Nopu walk, who were you going to sign to play left tackle for the football team? Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough spot. Bobby Hart. Right. And those are the kinds of those those are the caliber of players that were out there. Greg Van Roten. David Questenbury. Okay. No further questions. The Seahawks beat the Cardinals nineteen to nine. Our nine. Nine points for Arizona against this Seattle defense. Can I? The last can I four weeks have given up thirty-five points per game. Come on, Joe. It was a double XP weekend. You knew it can was going to be like this. Can I read you a very important statistic, Joe? Please. The Seattle defense coming into yesterday's game ranked the following: thirty-second in yards per game, thirty-second in yards per play, thirty-second in rushing yards per game. 
31st in points per game allowed, 31st in time of possession, 31st in first downs allowed, 26th in passing yards per game. And Joe, I don't think you're being fair enough because the six points that they scored were a special teams touchdown. So this offense scored three points yesterday on that defense that I just mentioned. With a offensive guru and a unicorn at quarterback, we've got three points on the board against that defense. Good thing they're all locked up. Good thing DeAndre Hopkins is coming back because clearly that's the only thing wrong mm. with this team. We just need we just need guys. nuke back. That's all guys. we need. Dudes. Guys. The in dudes. The Panthers are two and four. What do you we, we've moved on? We're on a different game. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Excuse me. The, the Cardinals are two and four. Sorry, okay, I'm looking at the, the Cardinals the Cardinals schedule. <laughs> And their two wins were fourth quarter comebacks against the one win Raiders and the one win Panthers. The two win Panthers. Oh, the one win, win Panthers. Yes. The one win, the one yes. win Panthers. The Cardinals' two wins this year were fourth quarter comebacks that required 16 points in both fourth quarters of both games to beat teams that have one win through six weeks this season. Had to give the coach and the GM extensions, though, through 2027. Had to do it. Couldn't go into the year without him. This is they bad. Play next on Thursday night football yeah, at home the against the Saints. Well, they'll probably win that one too because the Saints are just tattered. Their uh, roster is shredded. The new Call of Duty comes out this week. But wow. what day? What day? Um, I don't if it's know, if I it's know. Friday, we're Gucci. We're good to go. I, I don't know when the early access comes out. You know. Mm. Let's let me see here. I'm doing a short quick, week. Do a quick not, not the time. Oct- <laughs> October October twentieth. Oh, it's that it night. It's that night. It's oh no. At midnight. It's right uh, after the game. I bet it's right after the game. Oof. He. Oh, just just the campaign though. Just the campaign. So we might be okay. We might be okay. This team's in trouble. Yeah, I mean, they just trouble. need they just need a complete overhaul everywhere. Uh, to 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 quote our friend Keith Sanchez, and we've stolen this quote as part of the Keithisms. I can't go to war with Cliff Kingsbury as my coach. Can't do it. Can't do it. I can't, can't do go it. Go to war with him. And and, and and do even, it. And I believe in Kyler more than I do Cliff. We are breaking Kyler Murray. We are breaking him as a leader, as a football player. We're breaking him because we're gonna have to get. By the time we get a new coach in here, he's gonna be broken. All right, Joe. The Bills beat the Chiefs twenty-four to twenty. Go ahead. Go off, King. <laughs> Brandon Bean, right? Like you, you kind of watch that game. And obviously, he's picked every player that's there, basically. But some of the key moments, right? Like you go out and you give Von Miller 120 million, and he has two sacks. The one sack was on third down to give the ball back to Josh Allen for the game-winning drive. Obviously, the pressure on the Taron Johnson interception. You just give Dawson Knox an extension; he hits the game-winning touchdown. Obviously, Josh Allen. I mean, you just look at the this team, and he's been building towards this, right? And you beat KC in the in the regular season last year. You still had to go to their place and play in the playoffs. So, I mean, it, this one's great. You want the one in January. But you feel like Brandon Bean's done such a great great job over the last three years of just adjusting his roster to be in better positions to play against the Chiefs, especially when you contrast the 2020 results to what they've been over the last four, including this one in the, in, in the last two uh, last year, I guess, so the last three. I look forward to the rematch. Oh wow, wow! That's his. That's his takeaway. Look forward to the rematch. I think we all do. Okay, it was an entertaining I mean, game. Some, Look yeah, forward well, to the rematch. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not oh, casting any shade on saying, "Oh, well, Kansas City's going to get him next." I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just. It's an entertaining game. The two best teams in the AFC, or as Joe Marino said on Locked On Bills and on the, the Kansas City Chiefs social <laughs> uh, video, two best teams in the NFL, um, Mr. Big Time. So, yeah, I can't wait to see the two best teams play each other again. All right, we got one more game, and then scout, a scout speak topic to close the show. The Eagles beat the Cowboys 26-17 to in a game that shouldn't have been this close. For a while, it wasn't. Dak. Boring. stack right so all the the cooper rush hype right like even some people saying that he should be the starter after dak i think anybody that was reasonable said well all right well let's watch him against philly well we watched him against philly how'd that go didn't go well no okay folks i i hand it off to you i passed the baton i didn't even talk yet oh uh, you said boring that's not true you said boring that was your word guys what how many how many turnovers has the Eagles defense manufactured through six games? I'm guessing a lot. Probably the most in the league. 20. 18, something like that. Just hit 20. 14. 20. 14. How many turnovers has the Eagles offense had this season? I'm guessing not many. Five. Two. Two. They're plus 12 in point differential through that, six games. That'll work. Seems like a big theme here today, Kyle. Turning the ball over. Takeaways and giveaways, right? Yeah. Stop stop giving the other team the ball. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna let them score, make them go the full length of the field. When when is Philly's first loss? When is Philly Ooh. Oh, this is a fun game. This is a fun game. I have to pull back up the schedule. I they're on the they're game. on the bye. Then they're home against Pittsburgh. So at they're not Houston. gonna lose on the bye. They're not gonna lose on the bye, so it'll at least be week eight. Home against Pittsburgh, at Houston, home against Commanders, at Indianapolis, home against Green Bay, home against Titans, at Giants, at Bears, at Cowboys, home against Saints, home against Giants. They could lose that game in Indy. <laughs> they could lose that game in Indy. I, I, the 16-1 Eagles? Uh, Chris, is that what you're saying? The the, the question well, – I don't understand why I'm getting attacked multiple times on the show. The question was, when do they get their first loss? I answered the question. All right. Oh, so, so you, you say you say they will they will be through the Monday night game against the Commanders undefeated at nine. And I just I just can't buy what the Steelers did yesterday against that Eagles team, right? Like the Bucks are just in so much worse shape than the Eagles, right? So I, I that win there, the Texans, come on, it's the Texans. I know it's in Houston, but it's the Texans, and then the Commanders they they boat raced them. It was twenty four to eight, and it wasn't even that close the last time they played. So I, yeah, they will go into that Colts game undefeated. And I think they fall there. That Colts team beat Kansas City at home, right? So, like, I mean, they're three and two, three, two and one. Yeah, uh, the Colts. It's pro. I mean, that's the first losable game you feel like. Yeah, they should handle the next three, but are we going to assume that? It's a dangerous game to play. Right, I don't. I know the Eagles are a great football team. They won't have many losses, but. 8 0. It's there in front of them if they want it. I'll say their first loss is uh, against Tennessee. Wow, oh, so man, you're going you further going. than Just a total guess. Total guess. I have no no inkling. Just throwing a dart at the board. That's what I did. They got two primetime games coming up here, too Texans and Commanders. 
Yep, Thursday and Monday. Oh, we got the we got the Commanders on primetime again. What are we doing? Yep. On Monday, well, night, they yeah. won last time, so. I know, but that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't mean. Oh gosh. Okay, scout speak. I it's just my, I mean, you want me to present the topic? Uh, yeah. No, it was Your my idea. idea. That's that What's is that idea? is fair. So, okay, so for Scout Speak to close the show here on a, on a Tuesday, uh, I, I want to have the guys talk about the idea of, and you hear this a lot when we talk about some tackle prospects or, or offensive line prospects in general. You'll hear the guys say, yeah, but he, we're going to kick him inside or we're going to play him inside or he's a better fit inside. And I think it would be very fun for the guys to go through and explain the thought process that leads to them making that decision from a size perspective, from a skill set perspective, what leads them to go, yeah, this guy's playing tackle right now at college, but he's better suited to, to play guard inside. And in the reverse, guys who play guard inside and potentially can play tackle at the next level. So there you go. I've set you guys up. Away you go. Well, I think, first of all, you should look at some of the things that you need in the positions. So at tackle, right, you want guys that, have a little bit more length, guys that have more lateral movement skills, guys that understand angles. Just because of the nature of the position, a lot of times you're kind of on, a, on an island there. There's no bumpers on either side of you most of the time, and you have to be able to handle different types of athletes that the defense is going to throw at you, usually quicker, um, more flexible type players that can win with speed around your your outside hip. And right. So I think the nature of what you're asked to do there lends itself to needing more length, more lateral movement skills, and then just a really good understanding of angles to put yourself in positions to be square and stay with more dynamic players as opposed to on the inside where everything happens a little bit quicker, need to be able to absorb and redirect a little bit more. Length isn't quite as big of an asset. And so I just think understanding the nature of the two positions allows you to understand the type of body types and skill sets that translate best to either guard or tackle. Well, I think that's why you see a lot of the long, angular offensive linemen in a side of the leveraging that you have to play inside when you're playing against heavier defenders, but those body types play more on the outside because it enhances your ability to play at steep angles versus you see much more of the wide body types yeah. that play at guard because naturally Joe talking about those angles and everything happens quicker, but it's more condensed from an angles perspective. Well, how can you, how can your, your body type help you with that? If you're squatty build and, and wide shoulders and kind of the refrigerator frame, you steepen the angles. So you, you want to, you still want to force defenders to play at, at steep angles, but the way that you do that is different depending on where you're lining up and where the alignments are of the defenders that you have to play against. If I'm a guard and I got a three technique, so he's on my outside shoulder and he's trying to shoot the gap, me as a wide-bodied player, the more broad my shoulders and my chest is, the further he's going to have to go to then get hip-to-hip -hip with me and then turn the corner a.k.a. work around my body and turn to go to the quarterback. So uh, just from a body type perspective, I think that's probably a great place to start with the angles that we've discussed. And then you can get into things like length. And we can talk about how reach and strike timing and placement, like all of, of that 
kind of upper body stuff then impacts both positions as well because it's it, it's a very different experience uh, in that regard as well, Joe. Yeah, I guess just kind of listening to that, where my mind went was the value that we place on tackles, right? They're, they're harder to find, I think, just because of the nature of the stuff we've already talked about. But that doesn't mean the interior players aren't as important, right? But I think the scarcity of, of ideal fits for those outside jobs makes them a little bit more premium, right? I think you, you and I have had debates throughout the years about, you know, what's more important, interior pressure, outside pressure, and, you know, how does that affect your roster construction from the defensive line perspective and the offensive line perspective? And so I don't want to take anything away from the guys that play on the inside. I think it's just a little bit more hard to find those prototypes on the outside. And so I think when we start to talk about that transition, right, guys that you're going to see, watch, and play tackle in college and say, you know what, in the NFL they're probably a guard, which we do all the time, all the time. It comes back to me usually, okay, do they have the foot speed to play outside and they have to play inside to kind of hide that a little bit more? And do they have the length to be able to maximize their opportunities to win in space as opposed to on the inside. So really my two biggest reasons for moving a guy inside is length and foot speed. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's length is obviously such a hotly debated talking point. So let's, let's, if we can a little bit talk about how you as an offensive tackle can mitigate length mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that that's it's really hard. And I think the guys that do it successfully are really good with the initial framing of their blocks because then it becomes, okay, I'm going to frame myself to your inside half. And I have the foot speed, as you refer to, Joe, to be able to redirect and not give up inside counters and flatten and, and and wall that defender off into the rest of the bodies in the trenches if you try to work inside of me. But then you also have to have, from a, a hands perspective, it'll be really effective with your independent hand usage, right? As far as varying how you're showing your hands to a pass rusher to kind of force them to tip their hand on what they want to do from a pass rush perspective but then have the ability to reset and not have not be a double puncher and be so reliant on it. And it's, you, you really don't see a lot of two-handed punches taught these days on the edge. Mm-hmm. But the guys who mitigate it, their, their modest length most successfully, I think, are guys that really do a nice job of getting defensive players to show their hand first yep. and then having that latch strength and that movement skills in the lower half to then be able to get attached and get onto the body. So I was fortunate to be at O-line Masterminds this July and had a chance to listen to a presentation from Willie Anderson, longtime offensive tackle for the Bengals, and Lane Johnson, uh, current star tackle for the Eagles. They were talking about their process of pass protection, and Willie got up there and said, and, and Teron Armstead actually affirmed a lot of this, um, they were very much in the same line of thinking where both of those guys, Teron and Willie, they said, hey, if I can block a guy in pass protection and not touch them, that's my preferred way to do it. I want to get myself in a position with a good angle in my kick step, get myself fr- square, be patient, 
and do what Kyle said, kind of force you to show what you're going to do and go from there. A lot of these pass rushers want you to shoot your hands and kind of work their rush off of that. Willie and Teron are like, no, we're going to get square. We're going to be patient. We're going to force you to show your hand. And if we don't have to touch you on a play, that's a win for us. We'll take that all day long. Lane Johnson's the complete opposite of that, where Lane says, you know what? I want hands on as quickly as possible. I want to invade their frame. I want to halt them as quickly as I possibly can. I want to get on top of them, get my hands fit, and, and just shut them down immediately before they can even start their rush. Completely different ideologies. Both, all three of these guys, unbelievable amounts of success in the NFL. No wrong way to do it, but as you kind of layer in length, the length matters a lot to Lane, right? And Tehran and, and Willie are plenty long. But for them, their game wasn't really predicated on length. Now, I'm sure it mattered once you know, they needed to shoot their hands and get it on guys, but it's interesting to me how the contrasting styles play into this, and obviously it's going to be coached different from different places, but seeing those two different ideologies was really interesting to me. And, you know, length matters no matter what, but I, I thought that was a worthy piece of the pie to, to insert here into this talk. Well, and I think what's important there is this was a mistake that I made as a young person in this space a lot. Uh, if it didn't look the way that yeah. it was told it was supposed to look to me in all of my impressionable experiences with learning the game, then it was wrong. Well, it, it's not always a case, right? And and you got to understand that there's the art of offensive line play. You have to really be open-minded and ask yourself, okay, how is he playing while understanding that there are different manners to approach achieving what the objective is, which is to block people, right? As, as you said, but the, the contrast between Teron Armstead and uh, Lane Johnson being so big there. So... I guess as we look at a couple of players from this year's class, you know, whether it's Darnell Wright with, with Tennessee or Jordan McFadden with Clemson, I think those are two names that immediately come to my mind. And I look at just their body mm -hmm. types. Very different. I think they're guards, but I, I think they're both guards. Yeah. Though. You know, I writes the wide body. Jordan Davis is a little bit more barrel chested. Um, but if you, t if you apply all of the lenses and, and variables that we've very briefly talked about, we really only scratched the surface on this topic and offensive line evaluation in general. I think there's layers on both of those guys that make them inside players for me. Two players. I, Darnell writes a great name to bring up, uh, tackle from Tennessee and then Braden Daniels for me, the left tackle at Utah. Um, has played a lot of guard in his career and, and a lot of tackle. He's playing left tackle for the Utes this year. Completely different to your point. Like Darnell Wright's what, probably 6'5", 340, mm -hmm. plenty of length. Braden Daniels is like 6'3", a tick over 300, doesn't quite have the length. Really different body types and really different reasons why I want to put them on the inside. For Darnell, it's just a matter of, hey, do you have the foot speed to hang outside? And the way he plays against Will Anderson the last two years, maybe we're just talking ourselves into something we don't need maybe. to, right? <laughs> um, but you think that maybe you hide some of that on the inside with Braden. It's not that he doesn't have the athleticism to play outside. There's no question he does. But I think he'd be a bigger asset because he doesn't have the length outside to be able to play on the interior and then use his range, right? Because you're going to kind of 
pull those guys and move them around, ask them to get to the second level a little bit more, kind of that left guard. And I see him there for those different reasons. So it's not just the body types a lot of times. Length certainly plays into it. But, you know, I have a 40-pound difference in these two players, but I still want to get them to the same spot and do different things with them. And I think it goes back to everybody's body's different, right? Like you have to be able to adapt expectations in the way that it's coached to the skill sets that you're provided. You can't just be like, you're an offensive tackle. This is how we pass pro. Well, I don't think that's a good, that's a good way to do it, right? You're going to have different skill sets, even within the same position group. So uh, I think it just comes to that understanding of what guys are, what they aren't and, and, and adapting your expectations, but more importantly, from the coaching perspective, adapting how you want them to play to maximize what they offer. So as we, we said, this is only scratching the surface, but that that is going to do it for us today on the show. Thanks to our friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the podcast. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, make it a great rest of your day. We will talk with you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.